0: Trigger warning. Trigger warning. This is a reminder. You have got a trigger. (laughs) Do you know what your trigger is? It's that soft spot, that bruise that makes you see red when it gets pushed. And I don't know what your trigger is. Only you know that. This podcast strives to have thoughtful adult conversation about human issues. But I'm not a professional, and I would describe lots of the topics here as things that would trigger someone. So if you find yourself being triggered by any of the issues that we talk about here, I'm asking you now to please take that opportunity to simply find something else to listen to. Also, this is not professional advice, ever, (laughs) even when we talk to professionals. This is only casual conversation that is meant to promote for mindfulness and examine our own egos. Thanks. It's the fantasy that propels our life forward. So it's kind of like the ideas that you have about yourself before you sort of like manifest them. And so what I've been doing is talking to people sort of about their fantasies, but also their identities. And and I guess the fantasies they've had about their identities and how they sort of have become the people that they've become.
1: Oh, yeah. I'm very delusional about being a, a woman. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, that, that's that's not funny. That's, that's not funny. But, um, yeah, like, um, I've never even heard of the concept of being transgender until probably like seven, eight years ago. And I always knew that I was different. And I just didn't know what that was. Like, even like I came out as gay when I was 16. Yeah. And then, like, around other gay people, I'm like, oh, I'm not that. I'm like, oh, I'm definitely not that. I didn't feel any connection with masculinity.
0: Welcome to the show. Thank you for being here with me today, Earth Monster. I am your host, Matt LeBlanc, and if you happen to have met me between ages 10 and 30, I am so sorry. I thought we were all laughing together. This is Your Necessary Delusion, the storytelling show that celebrates vulnerability and speaks to the darkest, messiest little parts of your heart about the lies that we tell ourselves every day. The stories that we use to get out of bed the fantasies that we let propel our lives. I am so proud to share this episode with you today because this show, as you know, is an exploration. It is an ongoing conversation, and I'm no expert. I'm just a really aggressive patient with a very time-consuming hobby. (laughs) But it is guests like today, guests like Kenny, that make me feel like the podcast is real, like I'm participating in something that's bigger than me, Because I can feel myself learning. I can feel this made-up concept of a necessary delusion stretching. Kenny and I went to high school together. She was Kenneth back then. But maybe that was the first necessary delusion. Someone's necessary delusion. Because today, we're talking to Kendall. Either way, she's always gone by Kenny. We knew each other very peripherally in high school. We had a couple of classes together. We would say hi to each other, but we weren't necessarily friends. And I'll admit, I began this conversation a little more nervous than I usually do because I knew Kenny wanted to come on the show to speak her transgender mind, her words. And it's really important to me to be respectful. Like I said, there's really nothing that qualifies me to have these conversations other than my own curiosity. And I didn't want to say the wrong thing. I didn't want to be haphazardly hunting around for the ego on my made up podcast and find myself accidentally stepping on something that I didn't understand, or I didn't have any right to be commenting on. So I sincerely hope that I am not doing that today. I know I'm delusional, and I definitely possess an unfair bias that favors my own perspective, but I will say, when Kenny started telling her story, I felt immediately at ease, from her perspective and candor, but also the reminder that, earth monsters are earth monsters are earth monsters. And the lessons that I learned from these stories are universal. So rather than feeling like I was on the outside from understanding a transgender experience, I felt like I was brought into the story because what I was listening to was a human experience. So let's take it back to the beginning, to Kenny recounting her childhood that started as Kenneth in Cleveland, Ohio. z -z -z -z
1: -z 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 -z
0: -z 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 -z
1: -z 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 we were southern baptists we grew up in a very religious family my family they came from the south and then migrated to ohio and i was never allowed to have any friends i wasn't allowed to go outside and play with other kids so i will always be playing with my sister kenny and her sister were only one year apart she was my best friend and we did everything together And I can remember like one Christmas, like I remember opening up Christmas gifts and I kept getting like trucks and like all these boy toys. And I saw my sister playing with her dolls, playing with her girl stuff. And I'm like, oh, like I wish I had Barbie dolls too. I never want to play with my robots and trucks. I want nothing to do with that give me a Barbie doll. Let me comb her hair. And then I told my mom, like, I'm a girl too. And she's like, no, no, honey,
0: you're, you're a boy. Like you, you have
1: boy things.
0: But that's not how Kenny saw things. She was physically a little boy at the time, only six years old, spending all of her time with her sister. And she knew who she was. Except there were some physical details that didn't match up with what she believed.
1: I thought we were like the same body. So I remember taking a bath together and I was like, why don't you have like what I have? I I know that might sound like kind of creepy, but like I can remember like that image in my head. Like, oh, my God, I always thought we were the same. But then when we took a bath together, I'm like, oh, like I'm different. I'm different. And
0: maybe that was really the beginning of her necessary delusion. The beginning of the story that she told herself. She was different.
1: So I just knew that from a young age, I was like six, I had never identified as male. Like I always felt like me and my sister were the same. Like why were people treating me different? Why weren't they treating me like her? Like I am her.
0: It was something that she just knew about herself. She wasn't supposed to be a he. She was like her sister. And Kenny believed this even though the rest of the world would tell her she was wrong. And as we will come to see, even though this was the dream that would drive Kenny, she wasn't the person with the delusion about who she truly was. It was everyone else that held a delusion about Kenny's identity that felt so necessary for them to keep up. And of course, that started with her parents.
1: They were strict. We went to church almost every day, Bible study. Sunday, we would be in church all day long. And I couldn't listen to music, couldn't watch TV shows. So like my college years, it was kind of like, like, like a, whoa, like this is happening. Like this happened. I just didn't know about a lot of stuff. And I'm kind of the same way now. And and it kind of makes me sad. Like, I just don't know things. And it's not because I'm trying to be ignorant. It's just the way that I was raised.
0: As I said, Kenny and I went to high school together in Cleveland almost 20 years ago.
1: I'm in Georgia right now. I live in Stone Mountain. It's about like 20 minutes away from Atlanta.
0: Oh, Stone Mountain. That's where Childish Gambino's from. I have no idea who that is. Donald Glover? You don't know Childish Gambino? No. She doesn't know a lot about popular culture. It was never something that was a part of her life. As a child, Kenny's life was almost entirely decided by her parents.
1: They put me in everything. Well, not everything, but I played baseball and soccer. And they had me in karate classes. But the last sport I ever played was soccer.
0: None of the sports were a good fit for Kenny. She just wasn't interested. I can relate.
1: Playing soccer, it just felt so wrong to me. And not that soccer is a masculine sport, because there's girls that play really good soccer. It was just, it wasn't for me. And I just knew that for me, that was not for me. It was
0: after a game. They were in the car. Kenny's dad was driving them home. She was barely 10 years
1: old. And I remember telling my dad, like, in front of all my teammates, and I was like, you know what, Dad, I don't want to play soccer anymore. And he got so mad. Like, I've never seen my dad so mad before. We were driving in the car, and I had, like, five other teammates in the car with us. It was like a minivan. And he turned around, and he's like, so you're just going to grow up to be a faggot. I remember being so depressed and sad and not wanting to see anybody in school for weeks because I was so embarrassed. Like, like my dad got like that mad in front of all my friends. She
0: was embarrassed, but more than that, that thing that her dad had called her, that idea that made him angrier than Kenny had ever seen
1: him. Deep down, she sort of
0: believed it was true.
1: I knew I was different, but I just didn't know what that was i didn't feel any connection with masculinity
0: but it sounds like you started realizing that you liked
1: boys at a certain point oh i liked boys all the time f- forever like it, it wasn't like oh i think that girl's really hot like no like i don't like pudenda it's like oh i would go around at the playground kissing boys and they'd be like yeah! i'm like no don't don't run away from me <laughs> And to this day, he says he never said that to me, but I vividly remember.
0: A good reminder why patience is so important. Why it is so crucial that we choose our words carefully and try to be thoughtful about how we're feeling. Because people don't forget. We're impacted by words. And I know how powerful that feeling you're having can be sometimes, Earth Monster, but you got to remember, your words are even more powerful. They stick to people. But there was something else that set Kenny aside from the other kids as well. Something that didn't have anything to do with being transgender or gay or whatever she would later discover to be true about herself.
1: I go into this um, a lot deeper in a magazine I was featured in. Um, And I talk about it now because it's, it's healing. But around that age, I was completely different from other children because I was sexually abused by um, a cousin and two uncles. And people are like, oh, is that why you're transgender? Like, no, I, I knew I was different before that. And I feel they saw that I was a different child and that's why they, they preyed on me. But um, yeah, around that age, I feel like I, I had to grow up faster than other people had to. I had to be more guarded, more mature because I always, I didn't feel safe. Wow. then when you to go that deep.
0: No, but... <laughs> please. I'm, I appreciate the conversation.
1: I used to cry about it all the time, but now it's like, why cry over it? Like, it's, it's the past. The past isn't hurting you right now. The past can't do nothing to you right now. Don't look back. Keep looking forward. Your future's not hurting you.
0: That's a very helpful story to keep us in the moment. And fortunately, unfortunately, it's a very helpful story for Kenny because the path she has walked has not been an easy one. The dreams she had for herself were just as simple as many of ours. So simple, and yet so seemingly impossible to reach. What was your greatest wish when you were in fifth grade?
1: My greatest wish? I wanted to be a housewife. Like, literally, I'm- <laughs> And I still want to be a housewife. Oh, like, I'm tired of working. I'm tired of paying bills. I, I want a husband. But yeah, I saw the relationship my mom and dad had. And I, I always wanted that. I still want that. They were high school sweethearts. They've been together since they were 16. Still together, happily married. And I look at my mom like, like she has a job, but she always tells me I can quit my job. I don't need to work I just work because I, I want to I just work because I want to go shopping I'm like girl I want to do the same thing I want, I want to say I can quit my job right now too because I got a man she wanted a man
0: a companion she wanted to be happy and in love she wanted freedom and to feel like she was being taken care of and even though at the time she didn't realize yet how literal the stream was what she really wanted what she needed was to live in the physical world the way that she felt inside. She needed to live as a woman.
1: For so many years, I lived in my sister's shadow. And she was always the pretty one. The fair skin, light skin, green eyes. Like, everyone's like, oh my God, you're so pretty. And they were like, hey, kid. I'm like, so I'm chop liver? Like, like, what am I? Um, so, yeah, from that, I kind of grown this tough skin and... I just wanted people to recognize that I'm here. Like, see me. I'm I'm here.
0: So despite the circumstances building up around her, growing up in a small, very tight-knit family that was focused on the church, and at the same time internally realizing who she really was, confused about who she was, she still didn't feel like she was supposed to be Kenneth. She decided that she was going to be seen. Even if she didn't completely understand it yet, she was going to be heard.
1: When I was 16... That's when everything kind of changed for me. And I kind of walked away from the church. And I was like, yeah, I don't believe anymore." But in my heart, I still believe. But it's just, I, I guess I didn't believe in the church. Because the way that I was being treated by my family and the the sermons that I would hear.
0: The sermons were talking directly against things that Kenny was realizing about herself.
1: I remember... Going to church, and it was almost probably like a monthly thing. They would have like a, a sermon about homosexuality, and it would make me feel like so uncomfortable to the point that I became Wiccan.
0: You heard that right. She became Wiccan, like a witch.
1: I went on my own journey, and that's when I became Wiccan. Girl, I thought I was the craft.
0: That's what I thought of as soon as you said Wiccan. I was thinking <laughs> the craft.
1: I was the craft. I was doing spells. Dude, I was doing it all. What spells were you doing? I was doing love spells. I was trying to have fall in love with me. That's who you were. <laughs> oh my god. That and, and um what's his name? Um Yes. I was I was doing spells on them. It didn't work. I guess I didn't believe hard enough, but anyways.
0: Kenny came out as a gay male when she was sixteen. This was right around the time that we met.
1: Oh, I was so out and proud. Like it was just so liberating. And I felt like I was the only one. And then like just a few years ago, I'm starting to find out like there were so many other people besides me. Like why was y'all letting me be out and proud and getting all the backlash and y'all just looking? Our
0: high school could be a pretty rough environment. There were other kids who were out, but not quite like Kenny, apparently.
1: It was so strange that I didn't see myself. Like I know that's kind of weird to say like you didn't see yourself. Like I kind of projected Whoever I was with on me, whoever I was with, I pretended to be them because I didn't like myself. Like I didn't want to be me.
0: I couldn't see myself in high school either. I fancied myself an equal rights freedom fighter. I was very theatrical and a lot of people had been calling me gay since I was in junior high and I always liked to get a reaction. So somewhere around sophomore year, I just started to lean in. I wore girls pants and painted my nails. I pierced my ears. Also, my rigorous schedule with musical theater and show choir helps quite a bit. But I dated girls and fully identified as straight. Except, when people would inevitably get in my face and call me gay, I would take it as an opportunity to fight for my cause, big air quotes, and be the center of attention, which was something I needed desperately. So they would be like, you're gay, or usually say something much worse that I'm not going to repeat here, and then I'd be like, that's right, I am. Can I suck your Ah, d-? oh, come on, that's all I want to do. Suck your d-. can I please? I would meet their aggression with aggression. And nine times out of ten, they would call me the F-word again and walk away frustrated. And I would laugh, feeling like not only had I gotten the better of them, but like I was a good person.
1: Delusion!
0: The most notable instance of this happened with a kid that I'll call Rick Feldon. Rick wasn't particularly a big kid, but he hung out in the back of a big group of douchebags that loved to call me the F-word. And like I said, I would always agree with them and shout obscenities until they got frustrated and walked away. Until one day, when they pushed Rick to the front of the group, and he called me the F-word. And I ate it up. He was kind of quiet usually, but this was his big moment to prove himself as a close-minded, aggressive asshole to his friends. And I got in his face. Now, I didn't want to fight, ever. I didn't even know how to fight, but they were all talk anyways. I was young and not afraid of getting beat up and definitely not afraid of Rick, so I said obscene stuff to him. I offered him my body and told him all the things I wanted to do to him in graphic detail. Rick's friends got furious and egged him on, and I wouldn't quit. And he completely punked out. And after that, Rick became my favorite, because he didn't even want to gay bash me. He was just sort of spineless and going along with the crowd. He would try to yell the F-word at me between classes and the crowded hall from far away so that I couldn't get to him fast enough to make a scene, which was my favorite part, and I couldn't let it go. One day, I came into school wearing a bright red custom-made t-shirt that I had ordered. It said, I love Rick Feldon. And after that, Rick never approached
1: me again. It, it was really hard navigating high school. Like, it, like I, I didn't like myself. I, I, I didn't feel comfortable in my body. I didn't like my body. So I would always, like, go to school pretending to be somebody else.
0: What didn't you like about yourself?
1: I didn't like this body. Oh.
0: <laughs> I can't stop digging for more. It's like I wasn't listening. She said it three times.
1: I was trying to be one of the girls. Like, I was trying to dress like... Renee, Cassie, Devin, Shannon, Yvonne, I was trying to dress like them. Like I was trying to be like one of the cool girls.
0: I can see it in my mind, and yet I feel like I'm going to screw this up in the description somehow. It was so specific. Tight jeans, lightly colored, shirts or sweaters with three-quarter length sleeves from J. Crew or The Gap, maybe deep V-necks. Lots of girls dress this way. My girlfriend dressed like this, but that was just the thing. It was 1998, and Kenneth was wearing girls' clothes.
1: I didn't want to associate with any guy. Like, I I didn't want to look like that. I was in private schools from elementary to middle school. I went to a Christian academy, and then my parents were like, we want you to have a well-rounded education and know the world, so we're going to put you in public school. And that was, like, mind-blowing. I
0: can't even imagine. And remember, I was there. Our high school was rough for anyone. It was rough for me, and I was a straight white male who identified as the gender I was born with. It was just a rough environment. I knew Kenny peripherally. She was friendly with my girlfriend. We had a few classes together. She was very shy, and I was an attention hog who was mostly concerned with myself. And absolutely, I knew Kenny must have been having a hard time. I don't remember seeing it happen specifically, but like I said, Kenny was super androgynous, Clean, preppy, effeminate. And the school was full of violence and fueled by drugs and the misguided delusions of teenagers. And I was so caught up thinking about myself that I had no idea the extent of her experience in high school until this phone call.
1: Actually, looking back, it was the most traumatic experience of my life from being called all kinds of derogatory names. I won't say it now unless, like, I don't know if I can say it. Um, I, I, was called like every name in the book and I was thrown in garbage cans. I found shit in my locker, pubic hair in some of my books, pushed in the hallways. Like I was tortured and I, I was tortured and I came to school every day with a smile on my face, loving everyone. Delusion.
0: I only throw in a delusion because how could you really love someone when they were doing that kind of stuff to you? How could you love a person that puts shit, actual shit, into your locker? It must have taken a lot of discipline, because it's true. Kenny was quiet, she was guarded, but she came into school with a smile on her face.
1: But it was torture. I always envisioned myself as Cassie. <laughs> and I still have like that delusion in my head, like, I'm Cassie, bitch. Whenever I do a makeup look and I'm taking pictures, I'm thinking, Cassie, 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 <laughs> Cassie.
0: Cassie, yeah. Cassie was having the opposite experience of Kenny. She was blonde and popular. While Kenny was alone and painfully out of place in school and in her own body, Cassie was usually surrounded by a pack of hot popular girls. All the guys liked Cassie, too. If the hallways were shouting obscenities at Kenny, they were singing for Cassie. And that's what Kenny wanted. Obviously, I'm sure Cassie was having a much more complex experience than that, but this isn't about the reality of Cassie. It's about
1: Kenny's ideas. She was the embodiment of who I wanted to be. I just, I loved her so much. I was obsessed with her. I just loved how like all the guys were like, all like, oh, Cassie. And I was like, guys, do that to me. I'm yeah. here too. <laughs> it was like, no, no, I didn't have that.
0: Kenny loved Cassie, but Cassie didn't love Kenny. At least not at first.
1: She would be among the other people that would laugh at me, make jokes about me. But I still loved her. She used to ignore me all the time. But I don't know, for some reason, like, I still liked her. I was like, she's so beautiful. I don't care that she's mean to me. Kenny was
0: so taken with the image of Cassie that she didn't even care if she was mean to her. Maybe she wouldn't accept that Cassie didn't like her. The way she wouldn't accept that the guys didn't like her. She wasn't going to let herself disappear into the background. She was going to go into school and smile and say hi and work her little outfits and go home and cast love spells. Kenny didn't like the way things were going for her, and she was going to change them. Unfortunately, that was her parents' plan, too.
1: My parents read my diaries, and they they found my love letters to um, a certain football player. I won't say his name. And my dad was like, oh, I don't produce any gay sperm. You're going to this camp.
0: Think about your words, Earth Monster. People don't forget. So, yeah, they sent
1: me to a conversion camp to convert me back to straight.
0: Because maybe her parents had had an idea of what it would be like to have a son. They had imagined how their son would act and what he would like and be interested in. They had this fantasy. So as Kenny matured and the reality of who she actually was emerged, it became clear how necessary her parents' fantasy had been. They couldn't stand to lose control of her. So they sent her to a conversion camp to try to force the issue.
1: That made it very clear that I'm definitely not straight. It was very traumatic. First they talk to you, they try to like be your friend, try to get you to open up and talk about yourself, and then like they try to get to your root of why you're different. And then they're like I hate talking about it. Yeah, they they get really deep into like very personal things about your life which I feel like nobody needs to know. Like, well, like, why are you asking me about, like, it's, it's, it's nasty. Don't send your child to a conversion camp. It's, it's nasty.
0: <laughs> conversion camp is a necessary delusion, that sexuality is something that can be chosen. And it occurs to me that it is exactly this kind of experience that makes Kenny's delusion so necessary. If the delusion is that one day it will get better, that Kenny will be accepted for who she really is, then it is the constant discomfort The pressure to be something inauthentic that drives us so relentlessly to fight for our authenticity. Obviously, Kenny wasn't converted, but maybe she did return a little bit more driven to be seen for who she really was.
1: I was shy, but I wasn't that shy. I like to make a statement, and I'm still like that. I remember coming to school one time with a blue wig on. I remember and, that. Uh, you remember that? <laughs> and I got pulled in the office and the assistant principal said, you're a distraction and you need to take it off. And I'm like, why do I need to take my blue wig off when there's kids here with dyed green purple hair? Like, like why am I being like segregated?
0: It's a good question. There were definitely some scary looking kids at our school, but Kenny wasn't one of them. Kenneth was preppy and clean. She walked with her books hugged in a pile in front of her. And I sort of hate to be like this because, of course, Kenny is right. She was being singled out by getting called to the principal's office. But I remember seeing her come in with the blue wig that day. And it was shocking because it didn't match her clothes or her style. It was loud and looking for attention, when she was usually quiet and careful. It was a brand new, big, bold idea that didn't match what we had known of Kenneth before. And in retrospect, maybe this was the first really distinct glimpse that we got of Kendall.
1: i like to make a statement in life. Like, this is me. You're going to accept who I am and leave it or, or whatever. Like, or take it. Yeah.
0: But she wasn't ready to be Kendall yet. Or maybe she hadn't been able to recognize Kendall yet. She was only in high school, so maybe it wasn't completely clear who this voice was that was screaming out.
1: And I just always kept that image in my head, like being beautiful and being wanted. I even joined the cheerleading team for like two days because I was just trying to get that close to her. Cassie. That didn't go very well. They had cheerleading tryouts and I wanted to be a cheerleader. I wanted to be one of the popular girls. And I was the first guy to try out for cheerleading and they really didn't want me there. They're like, you can be the mascot. We need a mascot. So I was the mascot. Weren't you the mascot? No. (laughs) No. How did you feel about that,
0: though, being the mascot? It sounds like you had this other idea that you were going to be one of the pretty hot, mean girls. And then you show up and they put you in the, the mascot uniform?
1: Yes, and it wasn't even a uniform. It was just the helmet. And they're like, oh, the previous person had their own costume. So you just get the helmet.
0: Our mascot was the Arclight. Pretty lame. What's an arc light anyway? The costume was made up of a giant plastic white ball with a smiley face on it and two yellow lightning bolts on the sides. And I can't help but feel like this is sort of the perfect analogy for the way that society has treated transgender people trying to come out. Here Kenny had come up with all of the courage to show up at cheerleading tryouts, to be one of the girls, and instead of anyone recognizing and appreciating the kind of bravery and intention that that would take, Instead of letting her try out, they just shoved a giant plastic ball on her head and told her to be the mascot. But even though she didn't get on the cheerleading squad, she started hanging out with the girls, and they started to see who she really was. They started to understand
1: her and like her, even Cassie. We started being friendly. If you see any of my Instagram or Facebook pictures, I always have a blonde wig on. I always envision myself as Cassie. Does she know that? Yes, I told her that. Like That's why I wear the blonde wig, and she calls me her twin sometimes.
0: So then did you make that
1: friendship happen? I think so. I think I forced myself upon her. I'm like, I'm about to be a part of this mean girl group. I'm about to be them.
0: And delusion accomplished, she made it happen. In fact, believe it or not, Kenny says that she and Cassie are still friends today. She made friends with all the girls after that.
1: I was friends with Sammy, and she set me up on a date with one of her gay friends. And I didn't even know it was a date. I remember we were all in the car singing a Spice Girl song. And we were like screaming from the top of our lungs with this Spice Girl song on the radio. I think we went to a drive-in. Yeah, you know what? It really strikes me. You actually had a lot of friends in high school, it sounds like. I had a lot of girlfriends. Like they really protected me. They were very protective of me. But when I was alone, that's when I was in danger. But whenever I was like, Walking with Devin, or walking with Renee, or walking with Yvonne, it was like nobody touched me. It was like I was protected.
0: Hearing Kenny's story reminds me of how much privilege I had in high school. Sure, my heart might have been in the right place, partially. Like I said, I considered myself an ally. But I also just like to argue and be the center of attention. All I can see now is the giant missed opportunity I had right in front of me to befriend Kenny, to understand her, to walk with her. And protector. I guess I'm just sort of wondering like what the evolution looks like when you enter your 20s. And I guess we're all finding ourselves
1: in that time, right? Oh, that was that was chaotic. Oh, you don't want to hear all that. Oh, darling. You don't want to hear that. I was a hot mess. Like did drugs, went to jail. I'm clean now. I still drink wine. I wasn't comfortable with being me. I didn't know who I was. I wasn't a centered being. I was so out there trying to be a people pleaser and it was just so stressful and I didn't know how to cope. So I turned to other things. I was very promiscuous and I was trying to find love outside of me when I should have been loving myself instead of trying to find somebody to love me. So yeah, my early twenties was very traumatic, very delusional. I, I thought I was invincible. I thought nothing could happen to me. And a lot of things happened to me, but I was still delusional. I was like, oh, that won't happen again. Happened three more times.
0: Yep. I've been there.
1: And I was highly medicated also at the same time. I was on like Zoloft, Paxil, Lexiquin, all kinds of like medication. And then on top of that, smoking marijuana and cocaine. And oh, I'm glad I'm not that person anymore. And it was all because I wasn't allowed to be who I am. Like I was suppressing who I felt I was inside. And
0: did you have a sense of who that person was?
1: Looking back now, yeah. But then, no. If that makes any sense. Like, looking back, I can sense that I always knew that I was me, the person I am right now. But back then, like I can tell that I didn't know who that was, but I knew it wasn't Kenneth, it wasn't that person. I was dating this guy, he was so gorgeous, and he wore a lot of makeup. And I was like, your makeup is so beautiful. And he's like, oh, I follow this girl named Gigi Gorgeous. And I started watching her videos. And then like, he was telling me like, oh, she's transgender also. And I was like, huh? And then I started following her. I'm like, oh my God, that's me. Like it just, something like clicked, like the puzzle, like the light bulb, like it clicked on, like things started fitting in. I was like, yeah, 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 that's me. That's me. Yeah, that's
0: me. We hear it again and again. Sometimes it just takes a word to make everything fall into place, a name that we can relate to. Transgender is not something that Kenny has become. It's who she's been forever. This feeling that Kenny had since she played with her sister's dolls as a child, since she quit soccer in her dad's minivan and became Wiccan and came out as gay at 16 only to realize that that wasn't quite right either, since she used drugs in her 20s to suppress the feeling, to ignore that gnawing idea that she hadn't quite found her authentic self. It's the thing that makes Kenny's story so universal, because no matter if you're transgender or some asshole in high school in the Midwest stuffing shit into someone's locker because you think you're better than them, we're all trying to find ourselves, trying to find that feeling that makes us relax and go, that's me. But with the realization that she was transgender, she opened her eyes to the delusion that she'd been living all this time, the delusion of Kenneth.
1: It was a huge relief. But then after that, I got extremely depressed because then I was like, wow, look at you. I knew what the word was, but now I know what I am and what I feel. It doesn't match what people in the world see.
0: I just want to make sure that I'm understanding this properly. Like, does it make you look at yourself differently? Are you suddenly more critical of what you're seeing?
1: Absolutely. Beforehand, I never looked in the mirror. I hated looking in the mirror because I didn't want to see that boy. He was disgusting to me. What the image in my head that I always had did not match what I saw.
0: All of us are walking around with this big idea in our heads of who we are. And then, of course, there's the reality that often doesn't match up in the real world. It can be very hard to see ourselves. So she found Gigi gorgeous, realized who she was, and then couldn't find a doctor that would help her for almost three more years.
1: I got the runaround. Like, nobody wanted to help me. When I was like, I'm transgender. Like, help me. Nobody wanted to help me.
0: Can you imagine how frustrating? After so many years of searching for yourself, after so many years of discomfort, she can finally see the path, and no one will help her walk it.
1: I came out as transgender in twenty fifteen, but I didn't start living my life as a woman until full time. And I hate saying full time woman, but I kind of lived my life as an androgynous person almost all my life. And but I didn't start like actually like letting people see me like how you're seeing me until probably two years ago. I've only been on hormone replacement therapy for about eight months. I found a transgender doctor and she literally spoke to me one day and was like, I'm going to start you on HRT right away. I got boobies now, but anyways, I'm so comfortable now. You seem very
0: comfortable now. I am. But like all of us, she's still on her path. This isn't a movie. And so rarely do big transitions occur dramatically in one single moment.
1: I'm still on my journey, like I said. I, today I, I went to go get the documents to change my name and my gender marker. So I'm
0: still on my journey, still navigating a smooth transition for herself.
1: I purposely chose the name Kendall, and I love the name Kendall. It's I a think great it's name. beautiful. Yeah, yeah. But like, it still matches my birth name with the the prefix Ken. So people can still say Ken and I would respond because it's still in the name Kendall. You can still call me Kenny because it's still kind of short for Kendall. So it's like, it, it doesn't matter. Like you can still call me Kenny.
0: I imagine this can be a very helpful detail because Kenny's family hasn't changed.
1: I, I told my, my family I'm transgender, and that's when they said, I am an abomination. But they still talk to me, and they, they still help me when I need help. But uh, it's, it's, a, it's a weird dynamic in our family. Every family has their skeletons. Absolutely. I just talk about mine.
0: Kenny talks, but it can be the most difficult thing to get another person to understand what you mean. This rings particularly true with her parents.
1: I feel like they feel that I'm just a cross-dresser like they don't really understand the term transgender and that I'm living my life as a woman. They just think of me as their son that dresses up as a woman. And they don't know that one, I no longer have testosterone running through my body. I'm taking estrogen and I'm in the works of getting surgery done. So like I'm on the journey of like I I'm not your son anymore. Like I'm basically your daughter now. But I'm around them because it's something that they don't like. So I always have my hair covered and I wear like baggy clothes to cover my breasts so that it I look androgynous, like it, I don't look hyper feminine to them, like I don't wear any makeup around them. Just um, because I don't I don't like drama. I like I'm not trying to have hour-long discussion about you're going to hell.
0: She said she doesn't need to have another hour-long discussion about how she's going to hell, which I can only assume is the delusion that many religious people feel is necessary to keep themselves acting the way the church tells them to.
1: I don't need to hear that. Okay. I'm having a good day. I'm feeling blessed. Okay. I don't need to know that I'm going to hell. Like, you told me that 5,000 times already. Like, let's have a good day today. And do you anticipate that there will come a time when that point will need to be sort of recognized by them. Oh, they already told me that if you live this life, you're no longer our child.
0: Unfortunately, the family has suffered a terrible loss recently.
1: I, I was living with my parents when my sister died from COVID. Her sister died from COVID. It was very hard for me. Like I didn't work. I didn't eat. I couldn't sleep. And when I did sleep, I slept like all day. I cried all day. I kept myself isolated from the world, from everybody. It felt like somebody cut half of my body off, and I just couldn't function.
0: As Kenny said, despite the strange dynamic, her family's very tight-knit. It's always just been the four of them, and her sister was the only one that accepted her as transgender.
1: I'm glad I had that one year of my transition with her because she would let me borrow her clothes. She would give me makeup tips. She didn't like it at first. She was like, you're always gonna be my brother. And she didn't talk to me for like a week. And then after that, she was like, oh, you want this lipstick? I don't use it anymore. I was like, oh, okay. So I guess we're all on good terms now. <laughs> so my sister got to see me start my transition before she died. But then it was like, boom, dead.
0: Kenny and her sister had been best friends their entire lives. But unfortunately, shortly before she passed, they got into a fight.
1: I'm just thinking about the week before she died, how distant we were. We, we had a fight and we never resolved it. And that's kind of something that stays with me and keeps me up at night because I was so mad at her. I didn't even go to like her hospital because I was like, oh, she'll be fine. I'm still mad at her. Like, she'll be fine. And then like my parents came home. And I was like, so uh, is she okay? Like, uh, what's going on with it? And they're like, she didn't make it. So
0: even though Kenny had finally realized who she was and started her transition, life interfered, and she moved back in with her parents. Despite their differences, the family needed to come together. And it hasn't been perfect. But then, perfect is just a delusion for people who aren't ready to accept the beautiful, ruthless nature of real life. She's back on her own now. Back to work. Back to looking for a man to make her a housewife like her mom.
1: I want my mom's life.
0: She works as a chef now at a senior assisted living facility during the week and doing private events at people's homes on the side. And it
1: doesn't help that on my way to work, I have to drive by her cemetery. It's like a reminder, like, oh my God, like, that's where she's at now. I kind of make this joke. Me and my sister joked around a lot, but like I kind of say like Uh, when bill collectors call or when I get mail, I'm like thinking in my head, like, oh, she has a new address. You should um, go visit her at Eternal Hills. That's her new address. She's there all the time. If you go there, she'll be there. I know that's morbid, but anyway. You have a dark sense of humor. I do, I'm sorry, I do. No, I I appreciate a dark sense of humor, honestly. I feel like sometimes you just gotta laugh because if you don't laugh, you you cry, and I'm, I'm done crying. Life gives you lessons, and that was a lesson for me. Like, you never know how long somebody's gonna be in your life, and don't hold on to anger, especially with somebody that you love. Life makes you grow up pretty, pretty fast. It it makes you grow a backbone. You either succumb to all the, the weight and just crumble. And I feel like even though my parents were very strict, they gave me a foundation that I could stand on. And without that foundation, I feel like I probably would have crumbled and just died. Everybody wants to be heard. And no matter how old you are, no matter how old you get, like we all want that same thing. We want to know that our presence is here, and people recognize that presence, and they see us. And what that means for me is I go out into the world, and I project that. That's been my journey, is that I'm human, and other people are human. We're all on the same journey. We're all going to the same place. Going different, different routes, but we're all going the same place.
0: I wanna thank Kenny for her story today, for reaching out to me after so many years and giving me the opportunity to hear about her path. There are a lot of important lessons to hang on to and I'll speak for myself. Working on this story has been a great reminder that being an ally isn't an idea that lives in my mind. Being an ally is expressed through my actions and my empathy for other people. We're all humans taking different routes to the same place. So it is most important to let go of my anger To communicate and remember that learning to listen is a lot more complicated than we give it credit for. Because the words are just the beginning. It's the comprehension that's really so important. Because of the sensitive nature of the topic today, I just want to take a moment to say that if you are transgender or considering your own gender identity and you do not feel comfortable with calling your experience a delusion, this is just a reminder that this is a totally made up concept and uh, I hope that you weren't offended or feel put down by what we talked about here today this show is really just an attempt to bring us closer together thank you for being here with me today earth monster if you have love for the show and you want to support us you can send us 143 on venmo at your necessary delusion Or write us a review on Apple Podcasts. That's a purple podcast app. If you have a necessary delusion of your own and you want to share it, you can hit us up on our voicemail. That phone number is 323-540-4540. Or email us at yournecessarydelusion at gmail.com. We are taking a two-week hiatus. We will be back two weeks from now with more epic everyday stories of success and redemption. Until next time
1: i